0: Good morning. Oh Thank you. I got one. Good morning. Oh okay. there we go. There we go. All right, we're going to get rolling this morning. I, I'm going to attempt this is probably going to totally distract myself but I'm going to attempt to have a minimum amount of "ums and "ahs" during the first five minutes here.) Um, It's funny, I, I've had like, I don't know, four or five conversations this week about the fact that like the first five minutes, when I'm just kind of warming up and getting things going, I, I say um and ah like 500 times, right? And then the other 40 minutes, the, not a single one, right? Uh, so there, there was an ah right there, all right. See, I'm going to focus on it, it's going to be bad. <laughs> don't worry about it, don't worry about it. All right, so we are in Second Corinthians Again this morning, we looked last week at the the authentic Christian life, and if you remember the reason why I covered that, even though really we didn't cover hardly anything in Second Corinthians, was because I really believe that if we have a wrong perception of what the authentic Christian life is, then the next five chapters won't make a whole lot of sense. Some of the stuff that we're going to talk about today won't make a whole lot of sense if it's not coming from a place of this authentic Christian life and the transformation that goes on when someone truly becomes a believer and lives as an authentic believer, doesn't buy into some of the phony Christian life that exists in our world. The authentic Christian life, like we talked about last week, is not intellectually comprehending things about Jesus. It's not just adhering to, to certain moral standards and ethical standards. It's not just trying to secure eternal life with Jesus. It is a sold-out life. It is giving everything we are for all of who he is. And serving only one master in our lives. That there is no other master that is vying for our attention. At least not one that we give our attention to. That we have one overriding priority in our life and that is him and life in him. And that there is also this phony Christianity which tries to imitate the morality of authentic Christianity tries to, to fake the spiritual commitment of authentic Christianity when they know deep down it's not real. They rely on uh, Christian religious practice to kind of deflect from the reality of what's really going on in them, really going on beneath, beneath the surface, and, uh, and they're far more concerned with how, how they're perceived by others than who they actually are because it's really just about Uh, they're externals, right? It's really just about convincing other people that they have something real going on in their lives when the reality is they're faking it. There is not the real life of Christ. And that's really the core is that they don't have the life of Christ. So they they have to fake it, right? That is the, the key difference. We saw this verse last week, which kind of summed it up very well, which says, and this is, and the testimony is this that God has given given us eternal life authentic believers he's given us eternal life and this life is in his son the one who has the son has life and the one who does not have the son does not have life there's no in between it's either this this life that in which we are connected to Christ we're in union with him and it transforms everything about us or it's, it's a life in which, really, um, there's, we're still kind of in the community of the dead, uh, but we're trying to portray like we have life. We're trying to imitate the real thing. But today, we're going to look at some things that are unique qualities of the authentic Christian life, things that are, that are not able to be imitated, not able to be duplicated by those who aren't in Christ these things that are caused solely because we have union with Christ. It gives us a distinctly different kind of scent, really, is what he's going to describe here today. (laughs) Distinctive smell. There's just something distinctive about the authentic Christian life that cannot be manufactured apart from him. So let me pray, and we'll get into what those things are. Lord, we're uh, thankful to be together today. We're thankful to be those who uh, have trusted you with our whole lives and have experienced life in you. It is, uh, it is amazing to be able to, uh, to have your life in us, and, um, and we are just so thankful for the transformation that you've, you've wrought in us and the, and the transformation you continue to, to do in us as we uh, mature in you. As we look at these things today, Lord, may we, just, may we just see ourselves in these things. May we lean into these things as the reality of the authentic Christian life. And may we just recognize and be thankful for all that you do in our lives and through our lives. I pray this all in your name. Amen. So, here's where we're starting this morning in verse 14 of chapter 2. It says this, But thanks be to God... All right, we got five words in. I'm going to stop there. Okay. Paul immediately transitions here. Remember what we talked about last week that this is really a kind of a quick left turn for Paul. The, the context, doesn't, context doesn't really help us here because uh, Paul kind of digresses into this great digression, right? This This other idea. And so he's transitioning quickly in his thinking to this thankfulness over over what he's going to talk about here, over the triumph in Christ. What is interesting uh, when we look at this, what I find interesting, is throughout Paul's letters, thankfulness is just everywhere. Uh, If you read anything from Paul, and really the other uh, letters in the New Testament, it it applies too. You can also go to the Gospels and see uh, a lot of thankfulness there. But particularly in Paul, thankfulness is all over the place. He is constantly thankful for a number of different things going on in his life, including things that are not so great going on in his life. This is a great example here in 1 Thessalonians five sixteen. He says, Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, in everything give thanks, for this is the will of God for you in Christ Jesus. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing in everything, give thanks, for this is the will of God for you in Christ Jesus. The authentic Christian life is a life full of of internal joy that gets expressed through external rejoicing. It is a life that, that is in union with Christ and wants to have conversations with Christ frequently because there's just this intimacy there that is so wonderful. It is a life that looks at the circumstances of this life and is able to express thanks in all circumstances. Now, we, you know, from an outside perspective, one would think that this is weird. How do we give thanks in all circumstances? Why is that a thing? There is obviously situations and circumstances in which giving thanks is odd. It's just weird, now, phony Christianity, surface-level Christianity, is going to respond to passages like this and say, well, I guess I need to try to be more thankful, because I'm trying to imitate like, the authentic Christian life, and it's, and it's a thankful life, so I need to try to be more thankful. There's an expectation of, of repeating like rehearsed thankful words, even when really you're not that Thankful. Because the Christian is supposed to act that way, right? It says right there, be thankful in all things, right? Giving thanks in all things. But any non-Christian can try to be more thankful in their life. In fact, this is, this is a thing. People will tell you that you should be more thankful. We got Oprah here helping us out. Be thankful for what you have. You'll end up having more. If you concentrate on what you don't have, you never will. You, you never, ever will have enough. You will never ever have enough. So be thankful because if you're thankful, you'll actually uh, have more in your life. More joy, more peace, whatever. Right? You'll just have more. You'll have a more abundant life if you're thankful. So just try to be more thankful. Right? Got uh, Will Arnett here, an actor. you guys familiar with him? He, He says, I'm happy because I'm grateful. I choose to be grateful. That gratitude allows me to be happy. Buck up. Be thankful, you'll be a happier person. Anybody can try to be more thankful in their lives, especially if they're trying to be self-serving and the fact that maybe I'll be happier if I'm more thankful or whatever, right? Fake it till you make it kind of thankfulness, right? This is not what's being talked about. This is not what Paul is expressing here. Paul is expressing genuine thankfulness as a mark of the authentic Christian life. It's not something produced. It's not produced by the person. It's not, not something worked towards. It, it's not some sort of outlook on life that that maybe you could be more more optimistic if you just just work at it, and you just express more thankfulness. This is genuine, heartfelt, sincere thankfulness that just oozes out of the person. Authentic Christianity doesn't deny reality which is what some of these guys are suggesting. Like, don't even think about how bad life is. Just be thankful for things, right? And and Life will get better or whatever, right? No, authentic Christianity doesn't deny reality. It, it, It feels hurt. It feels pain. It feels disappointment. It doesn't try to put a good face on it. It's fully aware of circumstances. It doesn't pretend to enjoy circumstances. Yay, I've got shingles, woo, you know, like, no, that's not authentic Christianity. But authentic Christianity does keep in perspective the end result of all of our current circumstances, right? 2 Corinthians 4, we'll get to this a little later in our study, it says, for our momentary light affliction, is producing for us an eternal weight of glory far beyond all comparison. While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. This is the secret to the authentic Christian life, is that we're not looking at the things that are seen. We're not focusing on the things that are seen. We are focusing on the things that are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. See, the authentic Christian life looks beyond what we can see in this moment to the reality behind this moment and is thankful for the reality behind this moment. And it's not just in eternity. It's not just, you know, building up treasures in heaven or something like that. It's in our lives right now. James 1 says, consider it all joy, my brothers and sisters, When you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance and let endurance have its perfect result so that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Perfect, complete, lacking in nothing sounds pretty great, right? And we keep this in perspective. Authentic Christianity goes, you know what? I know that this moment in time, is going to bring me closer to my Lord and closer in dependence upon him, and that will create its perfect result, result. So count me in. Thank you, Lord. I can look beyond this moment of difficulty and know what's really going on here. It's not the difficulty. It's the reality of this deepening relationship with my Lord. It creates what, uh, what Ray Steadman said, Said, which by the way, I mentioned that book uh, last week. It's on the back counter if you want to look at it. It's, it's, it's a good book, Authentic Christianity. He calls this thing unquenchable optimism. That the mark, one of the marks of the authentic Christian life is this unquenchable optimism. Because it, we're, it's so, the, the end result is so desirable right, lacking in nothing, perfect, complete, that our momentary light afflictions are bringing about these good ends, that the end is so desirable that is, it is worth any sort of pain and suffering now because the end is so good. And so we're thankful with the moment because the end is so good. We know what's coming. We know what's, what's real behind this moment. While those who are not in Christ are, are, are dependent upon, you know, ridiculous platitudes that mean nothing, you know, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger, yeah, while we have the largest mental health crisis that we've ever had that we could record, right? Like, that, those are just things people say. They don't mean anything. Or they numb the pain with alcohol and other substance, substances, Did you know one in four adults gets blasted drunk at least once a month? One in four adults. Escaping life. Which, by the way, if I wasn't in Christ, I probably would be doing that, right? Because because I would want to escape. I would want to get out of this moment because there's nothing to this moment. I can't see behind the, the pain and the suffering that I'm experiencing in this moment. Why wouldn't I want to escape from it? Or they choose kind of a, a grin and bear it attitude where it's like, I can't do anything about this, so we're just gonna get through it. Okay. And I get it, there, there's nothing more to it, right? There's nothing more to the moment than the moment. There's nothing more to the, to the pain than the pain. And then you have authentic belief. The authentic believer who is truly, truly thankful, not pasting on a smile, not out of compulsion, not pretending like life isn't happening, but because they know their pain is not the end of the story, they can be thankful for it. This is what Paul's encouraging us to. What Paul's focusing on. It's not even an encouragement. He's, he's just saying, I'm thankful to God. And he says why? He says, I'm thankful to God who always leads us in triumph in Christ. The word triumph there could easily, and is translated in many translations, as triumphal procession, because that's what he's talking about here. The word that's used here is the Roman triumphal procession. This is who always leads us in, in Christ's triumphal procession. But we wouldn't get triumphal procession without a little context, uh, you know, historical context. So, so they just put triumph in there, right, which we can relate to more. But the picture here is of a Roman triumphal procession. These were these lavish parades that, were, that the Romans put on to celebrate victories. And, and the Romans had many, many, many victories. They were beating up the whole world. This is a, a, a picture of, what, of the Arch of Titus. And this is actually a, a carving that depicts the triumphal parade that happened after the de- defeat of the Jewish rebellion in 70 A.D. Uh, that the Romans totally stomped that down. And so they put on this triumphal procession. And you can see there, there's actually a menorah there at the top. Like part of the triumphal procession, there was a lot that was a part of it, but, but part of it was the spoils that the Romans would bring back from these different places that they went and conquered. They would like parade with these spoils, like look what we took from them. You know, like we totally beat them down and took all their stuff, Right? Uh, I was hoping for a, a more recent depiction of this, but I couldn't find it, so we're going with Ben-Hur, uh, <laughs> which is a little, little older, but uh, Ben-Hur has a depiction of a Roman triumph. Just a massive parade, everybody came out to, to check it out. Um, this parade uh, would usually be led by uh, the victorious general, or sometimes the emperor would kind of take credit, even though he wasn't in the battle. Um, and uh, and it was there were soldiers all around. There were people carrying the spoils of war, which we talked about. Um, there were others carrying like depictions of battles, the major battles that were fought. Um, some were carrying uh, signs with like names of the conquered peoples on it. There, uh, also in this parade, there would be many of the captured people uh, that they were bringing back to Rome to, to, to show off, like these are the people we just annihilated. Uh, and so there would be this long parade of, of people who, uh, some of them were former royalty or soldiers, and they're like, yeah, 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 we beat these guys down. So they'd parade them out, you know, and they'd be walking like, oh man, you know, we really got beat. And some of those people were destined for slavery within the Roman Empire, which was very, very common. But there was actually a, a large group of those people in the Roman triumph that were destined for, to be executed. Actually, at the end of the parade, they were walking to their execution. Uh, and that, that execution was to honor the gods for the gods' uh, role in, in, in the victory. So this is the Roman triumph. And, and, and Paul is playing on this idea that would have been very, very clear to the Corinthians. They totally knew about this Roman Triumph thing. They'd probably been to a number of them. Um, and, and he's playing on this idea that Christ always leads us in his victory parade. Uh, it, it's, it's like a, a modern equivalent, I guess, would be uh, NASCAR's victory lap. You guys familiar with this? So, anybody watch NASCAR? I don't, but I'm familiar with the victory lap. So, like, you know, all the other cars uh, just lost. I think this is Kyle Busch or something. I don't know. Uh, he, he won the, the race, and now he gets to ride around the track all by himself and parade himself and go, look, I just beat all those other guys Where well, they're all in the, in, the, in the pits sitting with their cars going, yeah, yeah, he won. He gets to go around and go, yeah, 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 I just beat all of them, Right? I don't know, something I pulled off of YouTube. Oh, Dale Earnhardt, that's who it is. That's right, that is is who it is, yep. So you're a NASCAR watcher, apparently. (laughs) So this is the idea, that we are led in a victory lap. This life is a victory lap in Christ. It's this ongoing victory lap. And notice that he says, who always leads us in this triumphal procession. Not sometimes, not occasionally, not just on the good days, not just when life makes sense, but he is always leading us on this victory lap. The authentic Christian life is a pattern of repeated victories because the authentic Christian life always, always, always achieves its goals. And sometimes those, those goals include struggle and hardship and weeping. Sometimes things that are going on inc- include things that look like a defeat, things that look like a failure, things that look like a setback, but it never, ever, ever is that. Our triumph is always a sure thing. But sometimes it doesn't look that way. I think the greatest example of this is Calvary, right? You have Jesus up on a cross, the Messiah, the King, up on a cross, suffering and dying. And literally, you had no one No one in his circle who were like, victory, nobody. In fact, they were all like, what is going on? (laughs) This seems like the worst case scenario. But now we look back at it and we go, no, that was the biggest victory ever, right? Ever. No one thought that was a win, but in reality, it was the greatest win of all time. This is not just a pep talk from Paul. This is the reality of the authentic Christian life is what he's describing. It's not a a, a platitude to, to make us feel good about something. This is real. This is it. This is a victory lap. Your life, my life is a victory lap. Remember, Paul had suffered greatly for Christ. In fact, in this situation, he had just had that major issue with the Corinthian church that, that, there was, that there was not a good interaction between him and the Corinthian church. He was very disappointed with what was going on with them, and they had problems. And we don't know that all the nature of those problems, but there were problems, and it was not good And Paul had endured persecution and disappointments and his goals that he wanted in life had not always been accomplished. But this is not Paul's triumphal procession. This is Christ's triumphal procession. This isn't Paul and his wants and his desires winning at every turn. This was Christ and his wants and his desires winning at every turn. And we get to be a part of his triumphal procession. We get to march with him as he takes his victory lap. Great example of this is in uh, Philippians chapter one. It says, now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that my circumstances have turned out for the greater progress of the gospel. Well, what circumstances are we talking about here? He says, so that my imprisonment in the cause of Christ has become well known throughout the Praetorian Guard and to everyone else. He's in jail. And he's like, this jail situation is actually a very, very good thing. It's actually greater than anything I could be doing right now is, is now I get to be in jail. And we would go, what in the world? What are you thinking, Paul? Well, from an authentic Christian perspective, from the, from the reality of the victory lap of life, he is seeing the reality of that, right? He's like, this has been become well-known throughout the Praetorian Guard and to everyone else. He had Praetorian soldiers who were with him on a daily basis in jail, and he was probably sharing... The gospel with every single one of those guys, right? Um, and, and so it's become known throughout the Praetorian Guard, and that most of the brothers and sisters trusting in the Lord because of my imprisonment have far more courage to speak the word of God without fear. They had less courage when he was out of jail, they had more courage because he was in jail. Victory lap, right? What then? Verse 18 only that in every way whether in pretense or in truth Christ is proclaimed and in this I rejoice see the the secret of the authentic christian life is there is never failure There is never failure. Our our dreams may not be realized. Our plans may not succeed. Our desires may not be satisfied. But that doesn't matter because in the authentic Christian life, we consider our lives garbage, insignificant, compared to the privilege of knowing Christ, right? That is what we're about. That is all that we're living for is knowing Christ. And so we get to live for his Purposes and the success of his plans in our lives. And though our plans may fail, God's plans will never, ever fail. And we get to march with him. We get to be with our general leading the the triumphal procession. And our general is undefeated. In, In fact, that general, that undefeated general, will actually weave our unrealized dreams our unsuccessful plans, our unsatisfied desires, he will weave those into the design of his plan for victory. Wow. Wow. We get to be a part of that. He goes on, he says, and through us reveals the fragrance of the knowledge of him in every place. The authentic Christian life has a, has a smell to it. And no, it's not B.O. <laughs> <laughs> Smells better than that. See, he's, he's continuing with this theme of, of Roman triumphal parades. Roman triumphs would frequently have um, incense as part, burning incense as part of their parade. Uh, they would have scattering uh, flowers being being scattered throughout the parade, and so not only when you were watching the parade, were you experiencing like the sights and the sounds of this parade going on, but there was also a distinct smell to the parade, right, of incense and flowers. And so I don't know about you, but it, but sometimes I've been in a certain situation, and I you know I I, I walk into a room or something, and I smell something, and it brings back a memory for me, you know, something that triggers me every single time as if someone's wearing Old Spice aftershave. My dad wore Old Spice aftershave all my growing up. So I immediately think of him anytime I have that smell, right? That's what he's, he's describing here is that this Roman triumph had this smell to it that the attenders of it would have recognized, right? And he's comparing that to the authentic Christian life, and he's going, you know what, those of us who are, who are a part of this triumphal procession there's a smell to to us to our lives. The authentic Christian life has has an impact that uh, that, that that on other people. It's a life that impacts others, and, and almost without trying, right? This is this is not like go out and do specific things, like like make sure you know you got your 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 your, your gospel sharing plan or whatever. Like this is not what he's talking about at all. He's just like. The authentic Christian life just impacts. Just, there's, there, there's a fragrance that is spread, that is revealed from the authentic Christian life. There's just something about those who truly know Jesus, those who truly are in relationship with him, that, that transforms the person in such a way that it, it, it impacts others. We don't have to even try. It just does that. It's kind of like the giving thanks thing. We don't even have to try to like make sure we're giving thanks or whatever. We're just thankful people. Because we know the reality of the situation is not what I see in front of me. There's a reality beyond that, right? We are just people who smell, and we don't have to try to smell. We just impact. I think there's a great picture of this in Acts Acts 16. To set this up, Paul and Silas uh, were were proclaiming the truth about Jesus uh, through, throughout all these towns, and they end up in Philippi. And uh, and in Philippi, they go out outside of the city gate. They're talking to this group of, of women, um, and some some of those women res- responded to to. The, the gospel message. Uh, they cast out this demon out of, out of this uh, slave girl, uh, which made her masters super unhappy and the town really unhappy. Um, and so they came and they, they ripped the robes off of uh, Paul and Silas. Uh, they, they, they beat them uh, severely uh, over and over and over again. They were beat up, these guys, okay? And they get thrown into jail, still bleeding from their wounds, this is what happens. Look at verse 25. Now about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns of praise to God. And the prisoners were listening to them. I thought they'd just been beaten a whole bunch and they still have wounds and they're sitting inside the the, the prison. Like, this doesn't make sense. This doesn't add up from a human perspective. Nobody does this. This is weird. They're not just singing. They're not singing like songs of lament. They could have done that. Like, ooh, you know, like, oh, that would make sense, right? They're singing songs of praise to God. This is that unquenchable optimism thing talking about, right? Because they knew, they knew they were on the victory tour. They knew this was just one stop on this tour. That this was not a moment of defeat, but a moment of victory. You can't fake this moment. This is not something you fake. This is not something you can recreate. There there is no fake smile that can be plastered on this moment. There's, there's no fake, fakeness that can, that can produce this kind of assurance and joy to this real life, real pain, real suffering moment that brought real joy to these men, and they're singing about it. And by the way, they, they, they could have no idea what was about to come, right? You might be thinking, yeah, they're singing praises because they're about to get out of jail. They had no clue. They probably could have just expected more beatings and prison time, and they're singing praises. Verse 26, it says, And suddenly there was a great earthquake, and so the foundations of the prison were shaken, and immediately all the doors were opened, and everyone's chains were unfastened. When the jailer awoke and saw the prison doors open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself, thinking that the prisoners had escaped. Verse 28, But Paul called out with a loud voice, saying, Do not harm yourself, we're all here. And the jailer asked for the lights and rushed in and and trembling with fear, he fell down before Paul and Silas and after he brought them out, he said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? This guy had very, very, very little knowledge of who Jesus was. He probably didn't even know who Jesus was. He probably didn't even know the name. Maybe he knew it. All he knew was whatever they had, he wanted. Whatever that secret sauce is that has you praising your God in the midst of just being beaten and thrown into jail, I just want that thing. And they said, believe in the Lord and you will be saved, in your, you and your household. And they spoke the word of God to him together with all who were in his house. They're now educating him on the truth. And he took them that very hour of the night and washed their wounds, and immediately he was baptized, he and all his household, and he brought them into his house and set food before them, and he was overjoyed. Now he has joy, right? Since he had become a believer in God together with his whole household. This is the victory lap of life, right? That as, as things as, as situations are going on in our lives and, and we're smelling differently because our lives look different than the other people who are struggling with similar things because life just stinks in a lot of ways, but, but, but we're, our lives are stinking in a, in a very different way than their lives are stinking and they're looking at that and they're like, whoa, something is very, very different here. We will change people simply by being who God has made us to be. Simply by just living in this union with Christ, which transforms us, that will affect the people around us. Ray Steadman has a quote. I like this quote. He says, authentic Christianity never needs advertisement or publicity. It gives off a fragrance and a fascination that attracts people like flies are attracted to honey. I don't know if you've seen this. I've definitely seen this. Because we're, we're walking around as, pe- as living people, people who have life in a world of dead people. That has to affect them. It has to. If we're not buying the phony Christian life thing, right? Like we talked about last week, even authentic Christian believers can look at the phony Christian life and go, okay, I'm just gonna do the phony Christian life thing. I'm just going to do that kind of fake thing. No, 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 no. The phony, the, the, the authentic Christian life in itself, if we're living that life, it will transform people. Without a word, it'll transform people. All right, we finally got into our first point. The next two are going to be pretty quick, so don't, don't be too worried about it. it says this The authentic Christian life has the, the unique qualities of unquenchable optimism, unstoppable success, and persistent impact. Optimism, success, impact. It cannot be imitated because it comes from God for those who are in Christ and know Jesus. From, in, and know are the blanks there. I know there's a lot of blanks, so let me read it one more time. The authentic Christian life has the unique qualities of unquenchable optimism, unstoppable success, and persistent impact. It cannot be imitated because it comes from God for those who are in Christ and know Jesus. All right, there was one verse. Let's go on to another one here. Here we go. For we are the fragrance of Christ to God among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. To the one, an aroma of death to death. To the other, an aroma of life to life. Remember, he's got the Roman triumph in, in mind here. The, the picture, the illustration he's using. And, and that incense and, and that smell of flowers uh, really had two different impacts. For, uh, for some of the captives who were in this parade, who knew that they were going to return to their own country. Uh, they, they would be ruled by Roman rule, but they, but they could return to their own country. Uh, this was a smell that meant salvation for them, right? Because they're like, we could just be completely wiped out. We could be a part of those who are about to die. But instead, we get, <coughs> excuse me. We get to go back to our country and live on. And that was very common. That's how, how the Romans did it. So that smell meant salvation for them, but for other captives, those that we already talked about that are marching to their execution, I like just think about what that would have been like. Right? They're literally, every step they're taking, they're getting one step closer to their execution point. I don't even know how I could walk they knew that, that this smell that they were smelling and this march that they were taking was taking them directly to their doom. That sort of dual impact is, is similar with authentic faith. That, that the way authentic, the authentic Christian life will affect people will, will affect them in a couple of different ways. For those who are, who are honestly pursuing spiritual life, like they haven't just completely rejected that life and, and they're kind of curious about it. They want to know more about it. They want to understand it. They've been maybe searching for spiritual life in different things in their lives and finding only death there, right? But they keep, they keep looking and they keep looking and they keep looking for those people to be around authentic faith. There's there's an exciting and a life-giving experience being around those people because they see life And they're attracted to that life, right? Like the jailer, like he saw this life. He saw them singing these songs, and he was attracted to what was going on there. And he's like, wow. And then then when all this went down, he's like, I got to have that, right? Like immediately he falls down. He's like, I got to have what you guys have, right? Like he was pursuing that. He wanted that. But there's also those in our world who, who just spend their lives trying to hide their spiritual death they don 't know how they don 't know to describe it that way, but their lives are really just a series of deaths and their lives just just are are one step after another after another with the choices that they 're making they 're just walking dead people they 're walking down to their execution and so they 're just trying to to hide that to not be exposed for for really what 's going on in their hearts and in their lives i when I think about this i I think about People like, like uh, like Robin Williams, right? He's just one of those guys where it was like, man, it just seemed like everything was going for him, right? Like, like, he had just done a movie that had done really, really well, and his whole career, like, just, just really, really beloved figure, p- popular figure and popular actor, and, and people just loved this guy, and he was just so funny, and he just seemed so happy all the time, right? I mean, this is, this is uh, oh, uh, Patch Adams, right? The, the, he played the doctor, where right? Everything was just, he just was so optimistic about life, and he just seemed like such a great guy, and then he committed suicide, and we're like, whoa, hold on, What? Everybody's like, it, it, it doesn't add up. Well, he was just covering for the reality of his life, right? And then it comes out, you know, the months after that, it comes out that he was a pretty broken guy. And so for those who are just trying to cover up for their spiritual death, this authentic Christian life just reminds them that they're perishing, And it's painful. Some people get angry and shout back at Christians and call Christians evil and things like that. Ephesians uh, 5 says this. says, Do not participate in the useless deeds of darkness, but instead even expose them. For it is disgraceful even to speak of the things which are done by them in secret, but all things become visible when they are exposed by the light. For everything that becomes visible is light. This is not saying go expose the the dirty laundry of your friends. Okay, that's not what he's trying to say. He's saying that when light is present in a formerly dark place, you see what's going on there, right? Like if you have a dirty, disgusting alley at nighttime... You might go, "Oh, not a big deal." You look down there, it's like, "I can't really see what's going on." You have that dirty disgusting alley in the light and you're like, "Oh my gosh, that's disgusting. I'm not going down there." Right? Like like it exposes. And and this is the authentic Christian life. We expose things just by being this these people who have life and who live life this life of Christ in us when 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 the person who's, who's living a life of death and is doing something wrong and, and, and they're right next to you and you're doing the right thing, like, it just exposes them, right? I don't know if you've ever been in that situation where it's like, you, you got, got two people in the same place, like, one's doing the wrong thing, one's doing the right thing. Like, the person doing the wrong thing is like, uh, you know, it's kind of exposing, right? The bottom line is the authentic Christian life impacts people. Others, those around us. Some by drawing them to the light, like a moth to a flame. They're like, man, I want that. And some by exposing their darkness, which is uncomfortable. Which, by the way, was the mark of Jesus' life, right? Which was the authentic Christian life was Jesus' life in us. Jesus was the greatest example of this, right? Some loved him, and wanted to give up their lives to follow him and do, would do anything for him. And some hated him and wanted to kill him from almost the day they met him. But nobody left being around Jesus unchanged. He made an impact. The point on your out, if you want to fill it in, is for some, the impact of the authentic Christian life brings life and others, it exposes the death that is in them. For some, the impact of the authentic Christian life brings life, and for others, it exposes the death that is in them. All right, I'm running out of time. I've Gotta finish this quickly. The, I got lots of time. Be here till two. Sounds good to me. Let's do it. The end of verse 16 it says, And who is adequate for these things? I love that. By the way, he's posing a question here that's a rhetorical question that he's going to get into uh, in our passage next, next week. If, if you think Paul's description of the authentic Christian life seems impossible to maintain in some ways, Paul is actually agreeing with you. The authentic Christian life is not something we can maintain. He, he, he's like, who is adequate for these things? This is a, a rhetorical question that really means no one is adequate for these things. Paul knows it. We know it. We are not adequate for these things. Who is big enough for this? Who is smart enough for this? Who is loving enough for this? Are are we sufficient in ourselves to always walk in victory? No way. Are we able to to, to always bring about good ends in our life? Not a chance, right? Are Are we capable of Of always speaking truth on our own? No way, we're dumb and we're limited and we can't do that, right? Can can we even be trusted to have the right motives when we go into a situation? Absolutely not, we cannot be trusted with that. And the secret to our adequacy we'll get into next week. But those who attempt to be adequate only end up with the shoddy imitation of the phony Christian life. They put on a show of thankfulness. They, they, they pretend like life isn't really hard and it's not really getting to them, but they paste on a, a fake smile that pretty much is easy to see through. We know what that fake smile looks like when we know that like that's not real. They try to make their own impact on others and end up driving people away. That kind of life has a smell and it's a putrid smell. It's not good. It becomes very self serving. And you could just look around our country and see some of this putrid, ugly, phony Christianity. It's not real. And the reason why it can't even be real is because the person who goes, I'm adequate for this task, I can handle it. By the way, the religious leaders in Jesus' time, their biggest problem was they thought they were adequate. Right? They thought they could do this thing. I can be holy for my God. No, you can't. And he's talking about another group here, not the religious leaders, but others. He says, for we are not like the many peddling the word of God. They claim to speak from God for the benefit of the hearers, but their motives were rotten. They were hucksters. They were phonies. They were fakes. They, they they had this insincere faith, this insincere Christianity. And I'm not talking about. Let's be clear about this. I'm not talking about who's in and out. Let's, let's let's get that out of our heads. That's not what we're talking about. We're just talking about genuine Christianity and what it's supposed to look like. Who cares about the the results of that? The in and out. That's not the discussion here. The discussion is what does the real thing look like and what does the phony thing look like? And the phony thing were these hucksters who were going around going, you know what? I'm going to make some money off of this, right? I'm going to I'm going to I'm gonna project insincere faith and insincere Christianity uh, because I'm gonna gonna claim to care about people and and I'm gonna claim to care about the word of God, but really it's just about me. And it's a sham. There are people who who pick out like the the selling points of the gospel because they're trying to sell something. I I hate that, even that idea. While they're downplaying what it actually costs to buy that thing. And and they do it just so they can can secure another notch on their belt. Look what I did. Got another one to pray the prayer. Got another one to pray the prayer. It's phony, self serving. There are those who focus on the, the sensational and the controversial passages of Scripture and, and claim that they have the inside track on truth. There are those who claim prophetic words from, from God that, 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 that strangely tickle the itching ears of those that they're, that they're speaking to. Prophecy is a whole other thing to look into. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not discounting prophecy here. Please don't hear me on that. But there are those who claim prophetic words who are really just trying to tickle the itching ears of their people while passing around the plate. Oh, $20, I think you can do 40, right? Like, like, let me give you a prophetic word to get you to the 40 here, right? Like, like, there are people doing this thing, right? This is phony, this is fake. There are those who promise multiplications of blessing in line with the amount of giving, to them. Increase your giving and you'll have more blessing. Write that check to Nate Smith, right? It's phony. They're hucksters. They're the peddlers of our age. And Paul creates a very different picture. He says, but as from sincerity, but as from God we speak in Christ in the sight of God. Authentic Christians come from a place of sincerity. Sincerity is just simply pure motives. Come from a place of truly pure motives. What you see on the outside is really what's going on with me on the inside. It's the idea of integrity. Authentic Christianity comes from a place of realness and openness and authentically opening yourself to other people and what's coming out is really coming from what's going on in inside and we're not covering up for anything, we're being real. Authentic Christians are, are sent by God as from God. we're at His disposal. We're, we're here for His purposes. We live life not for our purposes, but for His purposes. We don't live life for what we want to get out of life. we live for life for what he wants out of our lives. and everything we do and everything we say is in Christ is done. Based on this life, this union we have with Christ, knowing that we're not adequate in ourselves. And all the while, it's in the sight of God. All the while knowing that God is the one watching us, God is the one holding us accountable, God is the, one, the only one we want to be accountable to. But we know we're accountable to him. And we know that that accountability doesn't doesn't just happen on Sunday mornings. It doesn't just happen when we're around other Christian people. It happens every second of every day. It happens when I'm with no one else. He's still there. Where can I go? Where can I flee from your presence? I can't. You're gonna be there. And I know that you're there. And you're the one holding me accountable. And so I'm just living to an audience of one. And that's you. That's it. I don't care what other people think. I only care about what you think. And I'm accountable to you. If if we're living our lives in a place where we're just living out in in the sight of other people and we feel accountable to those other people and their their perceptions of us, then that is the quickest way to lead toward a life of showing them something and being something different. We're going to get there really quickly. If our accountability is before God and we live as accountable to God, it will foster an attitude of openness and transparency because God knows everything. And I don't want to hide anything. Point in your handout if you want to fill it in is no one is capable enough to manufacture the authentic Christian life on their own. It must come from God and before God and be lived before God. No one is capable enough to manufacture the authentic Christian life on their own. It must come from God and before God and be lived out before God. All right, let's read the bottom here. Paul gives us an amazing picture of the authentic Christian life it is an image of repeated victories and pervasive influence. It is a life that infects the lives around it, not because of what it claims or what it pretends, but because of what it is. It is that very genuineness, integrity, and accountability that makes it such a stark contrast to the pale imitations. While the imitators believe themselves up to the task, authentic faith begins with its own inadequacy for the task. Let me pray for us. Lord, we recognize that we are inadequate. We are inadequate in ourselves to live the life that you've created us for, the life that you've remade us for. And we want to be those who are living out of your life that you've given us. Because we love this picture of victory. And we know that that is is created when we're dependent upon you. We love this picture of, of impact, of being able to love and care for and, and, and impact with your life, the people around us. And we know that your life only comes from you and your life in us. So we just want to be dependent upon you. We just want to seek that out. We want to we have this union with you that just seeps out of our pores and spreads to everybody around us. And Lord, we know we have that when we are in you. And so we just want to remain in you. We want to live our lives before you. Uh, we want you to be pleased, even if everyone else is displeased with us. We want you to be pleased so that, so that we can uh, give thanks for all of the things that you're doing in our lives, all of the, the ways that you are working behind the scenes of what is really going on in our lives. And we just know that it is all uh, a victory lap. So thank you for including us in your victory lap. Pray this all in your name. Amen.